का दोनों What's your name? Rosie. Rosie? Um, where's your mom? Up there. She's a star. Um, do you want to sing a song? What do you want to sing? Twinkle, twinkle, little star. Okay. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. You're listening to CJSR 88.5. I'm your correspondent for Moving Radio, Lucas Anders. The film Rosie opens up at the Edmonton International Film Festival this Thursday evening at 6.30. I'm joined by Gail Maurice, writer, producer, and director, as well as Melanie Bray, who plays Frederic. She's also a co-producer who's worked alongside Gail to bring this story to life. They both share a passion for storytelling, Indigenous stories, and narratives with strong female characters welcome to the show melanie and gail thank you thank you yeah so honored to have you to talk about this film rosie it's a story with a lot of heart and i just wanted to ask you just from an audience perspective what the story is about gail so the story is about family love acceptance and the resilience and strength of human beings to survive so rosie is six years old and played by Karis Hope Hill, who was six years old when we shot it. She's now seven. She is orphaned and basically no one wants her. She can't be placed. So they find a reluctant Francophone auntie that she's placed with. And she's introduced into this world that's very colorful and very different from what she's experienced before. It's a bilingual film. And Fred, Flo, and Mo speak with a Quebecois accent. They speak French and it's set in Montreal to further alienate Rosie, to have that sense of alienation, but also to show that in the end, what matters is love and chosen family. So you mentioned colorful. So that was an intentional choice then with the color palette? Because it is very colorful in the intro we see Frederic painting. Yeah, it was very intentional. I always knew I wanted it to be saturated. I wanted the characters to always wear very bright colors because I wanted to show them as unabashedly themselves. They're not ashamed in any part of who they are. They are just loud, proud, and basically saying to the world, here we are, take it, you know? Yeah, and it's also, it's set in the 80s, it's summer, so it's just really just evoking that sort of heat and color. As Gail said, they are the color in their world against this very urban, gritty city. So also the 80s is always a fun color palette. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of fun colors to play with, and and it's definitely noticeable in the film. In doing a little bit of research around the, the film, it evolved from being a short film, is that correct? Yeah, I wrote the short and screened the short at Imaginative in 2018, and then it went to festivals. Then Imaginative and the Harold Greenberg Fund gave me some funding to develop it into a feature film. So I did that. We were supposed to shoot a year prior to when we shot, but then COVID shut everything down. But I was really happy to take that opportunity to actually develop it into the feature so I could explore the 60s scoop more and Rosie's mother's was taken away as part of the 60s scoop and I wanted to show the repercussions and the effects of what happens not only to those that are taken away but to the generation afterwards in Rosie's case you know where she won't ever know who she is where she comes from because of 
you'll see in the film, it's homage as well to all those children that are taken and stolen from their parents and they're doing the best that they can and surviving the best that they can. So I was wanting to explore that. Yeah, when we made the short, though, it's interesting. It was it was always just supposed to be a short. Like we didn't go into it knowing that any of this would happen, but it's obviously a happy, positive accident <laughs> that we're here now. And people love the characters. And so even we just screened that TIFF and we had two sold out screenings and everyone's asking what next, what next? Because you do fall in love with the characters. Like I said, Rosie the Short was supposed to be just a one-off. It became a feature. So maybe you never know, it might become a series. I don't know. You know, I just love these characters. I just love that they're beautiful human beings and what matters in the world most is just love and kindness. You do breach a lot of heavy topics but you come from it, from family, love overcomes a lot of the things that remain very challenging in society, right? What I found was really interesting is right off the top, Rosie's in that office and the woman takes away a toy and ultimately defines her gender for her when she kind of throws it away and it's like, no, I don't want to play with this. It's really interesting to see you breach that. Yeah. And it's also like one of the first lines is she's Indian. No one wants her, you know, and I have two siblings that were taken from my mom at birth and my mom didn't want to give them away, but the government and the doctors had so much power and the nurses took the baby away from my mom and said, the helicopter's here. You can't keep him. And so it's the fight. It's the fight for those children, but also in indigenous culture, like in Korean. I'm from, I'm Métis. I'm from Beauval in northern Saskatchewan. Even though life kicks you and beats you up, you still laugh. You have to laugh. Laughter is such good medicine. And even at wakes, when we're at a funeral, we're playing cards, we're telling stories, we're laughing. It's not all morbid. If we just wallowed in all the pain, how could we continue on? So that's why I put humor in there. One moment there's sadness and tears and people were commenting how beautiful it is the next moment there's laughter because that's I think how I've survived as a human being. Gail do you have any way in which you relate to Rosie's story? Mm-hmm. I always wanted it to be a little girl's point of view and to me I said it in the 80s because that's when I came out when I left my village and I came out in Saskatoon and I saw the world for the first time in the gay community when I opened those doors and all of a sudden this whole entire gay world opened up to me and I had never experienced that before and then only then did I feel alive and every fiber in my body was just like vibrating and I accepted everything with wide-eyed wonder and I wanted to do a film where I could show that. So I thought, okay, so there's going to be a little girl and she's thrust into this world where she doesn't understand the language. She looks different. She, everything, the signage is different. And she, but she accepts it like with an open heart and an open mind and non-judgment. And one of my favorite characters is Jigger and he's close to the ground because he's most, he's symbolically, he's the most grounded and and connected to his culture and language. And he's the one that's going to share knowledge with Rosie. But definitely there's a little bit of me in all the characters. Melanie, would you say the same about Fred or Rosie? Do you feel like you can relate to one of them? Yeah, I mean, mostly it's the character that I play, Friedrich or Fred, that Gail wrote for me. And Mm -hmm. Gail and I 
been together 11 years. And so I guess she did put a little bit of me or she says a lot of me <laughs> into the character. I always used to see her as pretty different from me, but I'm starting to see her as a little bit closer to me the more that we actually have interviews and talk about it and to hear Gail say like how she saw it and how she sees me. So I'm really grateful and honored that she wrote this part for me. And it's not often that you get to play the same part twice, you know, so I got to do it in the short and then in the feature to be able to develop it into this like amazing character arc. I'm totally an actor who likes to prepare a lot on paper and do a lot of analysis and geek out that way. And I mean, it's just so rich in terms of figuring out, okay, what is this person's trajectory now that there's like this whole much longer story than I got to explore in the short. So the essence of Fred is who Melanie is. She doesn't realize this, but the kernel of Melanie is actually in Fred, like kick-ass and doesn't take shit and she's fearless. I'll share a story. So we went to Isla Mujeres and we went on this adventure where we got to go into the wild ocean and we found a pod of whale sharks. And we jumped in, but I was scared. But Melanie, without even thinking, jumped in and she was swimming with the whale sharks. And I go, oh my God, okay, well, I got to do this because I think we boated for like an hour and a half with four foot waves to get to these, to try to find some sharks. And that's what I mean about her being fearless. Like she jumped in without even a second thought. <laughs> yeah, I jumped and I was like, well, Gail spent all this money. We didn't have a lot of money back then and we came all this way. And so there's no way I can even think about fear. So I just jumped in. But then, you know, once I was in there for about a minute, I think I was like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> then I got scared and got off and got on the boat. And then getting in the second time was really, really hard. But sometimes, yeah, you just literally have to jump feet first I guess yeah. <laughs> that's who Fred is you certainly see that in the film that, that Fred is just fearless and taking the challenges as they come at her I do see that and I think you did a great job Melanie of portraying somebody who's faced with a lot of challenges but takes what is given to her and builds on it thank you yeah, yeah. I think Karis who plays Rosie had the best analysis when she she read the script at home and her mom told us she came into her mom's room and said that Fred sure is angry all the time and swears a lot and yells at everyone <laughs> which is a pretty good analysis of the character Fred is angry and I think she has a lot of good reasons to be angry it was really just about finding the range though then where are the quiet moments when is she actually finally sort of beaten down and has nothing left to say and yeah just finding different nuances and yes she yells a lot and she's angry but obviously they're going to be other moments and emotions as well so hopefully we see a nice full picture of a person so what i was going to say about karis she was only six when we shot this a year ago and she i didn't realize that six-year-olds can't read very well but she was able to read her mom said she could read really well but not only that she came to set every day and she was fully prepared because when you shoot, you might know that we shoot scenes out of order. So we might shoot the last scene first in the first day. And so prepping her and talking to her mom before we shot, I just said, okay, just be prepared for that. For example, I would send them a shot list of what we're shooting maybe the day before or a week before when we first started. And I said, this is the first scene we're going to do. I said, this is the emotion she has to have. And because this just happened, this just happened. But she came to a set every day and she was a little professional. Interesting, because I'm just curious, why is it you think that kids can be our best teacher? 
Rosie helps them see value in themselves in this story. Yeah, I love that. Yes, and it's exactly right. Rosie is able to show Fred her worth because Fred really thinks she's worthless, even though she she says her art's worth $100. She actually doesn't believe it until Rosie makes her believe it. And I think children have the ability to just see human beings as they are, which is what I love about children too. I remember when we were six and seven years old, we were so insightful. We could see what an adult was feeling, even, even if they weren't saying it. So I just wanted to show that children don't have the barriers that we put up as adults where we have masks and we think we have to behave in a certain way and we're so guarded. They're so unguarded and free, unhindered by what they're supposed to think or how they're supposed to behave. They just simply are true to themselves. I think that lends itself to some of the characters. Like you said, they're just unabashedly themselves, which is so interesting. Even Flo and Mo, you see who they are. And Rosie brings a lot of that out in them too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Throughout the film. Not once did Karis ever question anything about the characters, which is again, just the power of seeing through a child's eyes. I did notice some symbolism around butterflies. Is there any importance for either of you? Yeah. So butterflies for me represent an ancestor that's passed. And to me, for Rosie, it represents her mom. Her mom is always with her. So she has butterflies on her shoes, on her shirt. She had butterfly shirts, I think, at one point. Or was that in the short? Well, in the short film, it's interesting because when Rosie's drawn to the busker in the park, to the music, I found a shirt because I did the costumes for the short. (laughs) She had a butterfly. So yeah, that's the symbolism is carried over from Mm -hmm. the short film when Gail explained that in Indigenous culture, a butterfly is usually someone visiting you. Yeah, and there's butterflies in her bedroom and on the window and above her bed so and as well as the stars a lot of butterflies and stars her mom's always around her and her ancestors oh that's such a cool concept to pull into the film i really appreciate it now i feel like i have to go back and (laughs) you know find all the butterflies (laughs) thank you for noticing that yeah it's very apparent in the film but i obviously missed a few having (laughs) listed off some of them doing a little bit of the research i noticed you made a point of working with women and focusing on strong characters. So could you tell me a little bit about that? As you were saying that, I realized that a lot of my films, I think all of all of them I'm thinking have women as leads and as the main characters. And Rosie is no different than that. A lot of our crew was over at least 80% women. And the Indigenous Screen Office was so generous uh, funding us and they also gave us money to have mentees so we had a lot of indigenous mentees so I just always want to show women and indigenous women in particular is very strong and I mean I started writing and directing my own work because I'm an actor as well and I was tired of doing an auditioning for stereotypical roles that didn't embrace everything every aspect of my being indigenous so I just said I'm going to make films that show every aspect of or try to show the strength and the positiveness the resilience the power of indigenous women and women in general so that's what I did and behind the scenes definitely on the short film the majority of the crew I think was female or identified as female I'm not sure of the math on the feature but for sure a lot of diversity as Gail said we had our indigenous mentees as well as a lot of 
women, queer people, BIPOC people, we tried really hard to make sure that our crew was also as diverse as possible mm-hmm. and giving people opportunities they might not have had before. There's certainly challenges in society in trying to to find those opportunities. So it's fantastic that you're providing some of that, just a way to elevate others and, and give them an opportunity. Were there any challenges that were presented to you moving from the short to the feature? So we shot as soon as we were able to shoot when production opened up, we began shooting. We shot in the height of COVID. So cost was pretty high. We didn't account for all the testing we had to do, the masks, all the protocols of making sure everyone stayed safe. So that was one factor. Another factor was the heat. There was like 40 Celsius days, I think, practically every day we shot. Melanie got heat exhaustion and she ended up in emergency and we lost a day of shooting because of that because she was so dehydrated and she needed to stay in emergency for a while. The crew, there was only a limited crew because everyone started up in production. Everyone was taken. So I guess Yeah, everyone who had postponed for a year, suddenly we all wanted to shoot a movie at the same time. Just finding crew. And then I'd say the biggest challenges with COVID were just meeting our actors in person. Like it took forever to actually have callbacks. I did the the casting for the main characters and it was so long before we could actually see each other in person and and try to have a chemistry read. Mm -hmm. And then locations, you know, obviously it's very difficult. We needed apartments and different things and obviously people hesitant to allow you to to come into a certain space which makes sense but that just posed a challenge for us we found our main apartments i think a week before shooting we couldn't do a shot list because we had no location and we were like scrambling so things like that so i've got one final question for you if there's one thing you'd like the audience to take home with them what would it be for me it's just Trying to be kind, trying to be kind to other people, to human beings, and trying to see the world with non-judgment and love. And also that family, like a lot of people don't have the opportunity to have a blood family. So chosen family becomes their family. I think the beauty of chosen family, it's formed by love and respect and kindness and understanding. The big takeaway I want people to have is love kindness and acceptance goes a long way and you Mel yeah I mean we were just talking about the last few years it's been I think pretty rough for a lot of people and the world feels a little bit upside down sometimes and I just hope that people will come away from the film which does have some serious issues but also some pretty laugh out loud moments and a lot of hope in the end I hope that people just leave feeling sort of hopeful and a little bit more compassionate and that any of the sort of underlying issues that are subtle but there that if people are curious about them that they go do research about the different issues and topics that Gail has put into the film. Like for example the woman Jose Young that plays Barb the social worker she had no idea what the 60s scoop was and she was so grateful for the opportunity to be able to go and do research and read up about it and that's why I write films like this. Also I wanted to say I made a bilingual film because I'm I speak Michif fluently Cree Michif and French and Cree make up my language and I wanted to be able to talk about that because not a lot of people that I meet in Canada and Canadians, you know, know about Michif, know about the Métis people in Saskatchewan. And so I wanted to share my language with them because according to statistics, there's only just over 
a little over a thousand Michif speakers in the world, and I'm one of them because my grandma taught me the Gaskita Antani Helian, the Gwen Michtin Bovalosi, Eufbigian, Eufbigagoia. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here today. In case you missed it, Gail Maurice is the writer and producer on the film Rosie. We also are talking with Melanie Bray, who's a co-producer and stars as Frederic in the film. You can catch it as it opens the Edmonton International Film Festival this Thursday evening. Rosie starts at 6.30 p.m. down at Landmark Cinemas downtown right here in Edmonton. So make sure you make your way down to check out this incredible film. I'm Lucas Anders, your correspondent for Moving Radio on CGSR 88.5, Community Powered Radio. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to be free.